All right, well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you're here. And those who uh, are joining us online, I'm so glad that you've chosen to worship God with us. It's a great joy. I remember talking flamingo. Uh, I remember... I remember back when I was a kid, and I can't remember his name, but he was one of the older gentlemen in our church, and uh, it was a Sunday morning Christmas, and he just remarked, he was an older gentleman, and he just said, you know, these are special days, and this might be the last opportunity that he got to celebrate Christ on a Sunday on Christmas, and since ever that moment, I think that these Sunday Christmas days are incredibly special, and so I opened my big mouth, and I said, Ashley, we should have worship, and she said, David, you should preach it, and I said, Okay. I think one of the greatest things about gifts is the anticipation, right? When we have those gifts under the Christmas tree, even when we're older and maybe some of the magic has gone out, but we see those gifts and we wonder what they are, we think about it, we think about the people who've loved us and have picked out a special gift for us, it's all about the anticipation. Last year, as I mentioned, Amelia won this very special uh, flamingo, and it is a pooping flamingo. It actually poops into water. And um, a funny story is, you know, we didn't, when I grew up, I kind of was annoyed by commercials. But because my kids all watch streaming, they don't really deal with commercials. And so they get excited to watch commercials. And it's really funny watching them watch commercials and then come to us like, oh, you should do this. I think Amanda told us we should get a a purple mattress because she saw this commercial. And like, (laughs) it looks great. But she had somehow, somewhere along the way, had seen this thing about gotta go flamingo, this pooping flamingo. And she wanted it for her birthday, like every single day. I, you gotta give me gotta go flamingo, gotta give me gotta go flamingo. And Michelle and I are like, you know, no. <laughs> we don't need a pooping flamingo in our house. Like why on earth would we buy that? And so we actually got her this one, which is a really cool flamingo. Um, it talks, it, you can talk to it and it'll say it back to you. Uh, but suffice it to say that as Amelia opened all of her presents and didn't get the Gotta Go Flamingo for her birthday that she had been anticipating and telling us that she wanted, uh, she was crushed. And she was very sad. And so we later that Christmas got her the pooping flamingo. Uh, and it, it has, it's changed our lives, I have to say. It's changed our life. <laughs> I talk about gifts because... Jesus is that ultimate gift in our lives. And the people of God were anticipating Jesus for over 500 years. Passages that maybe not at first they didn't understand as apostle Messiah coming, but later would come to know and anticipate this Messiah who was gonna come in the world and change all of their fates. You see, the Jewish people had been oppressed by powerful empires after powerful empires, first the Babylonians, and then the Persians, and then the Seleucids, and then the Romans, and they were just fed up, and they were begging God to send this Messiah. Isaiah 9, starting verse 6 says, For a child has been born to us, a son given to us, authority rests on his shoulders, and his name And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continuously, and there shall be endless peace. For the throne of David and his kingdom, he will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time onward and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. But you know, Jesus is even more than that. Because from the day that centered in the world, we talk about 
at all time on that, that first sin in the garden with Adam and Eve and, and the fruit that they eat and allowing sin in the world and, and telling God that they know better than God how to rule their own lives. And after that, there are curses that are given out or, or things that God is like, this is going to be the way that it's going to be and tells the snake, oh, or the serpent, you're going to crawl on the ground, you're not going to have legs, and there's going to be enmity or uh, problems between you and the human. And, but there's this really peculiar line in that, that it talks about the descendant of the woman will crush the head of the snake, but at the same time, the snake will bite the heel of the human. Even from that very moment, we were looking forward to Jesus who comes in and crushes the evil one through his death on the cross, but at the same time takes a mortal wound and dies for our sins so that we could have life and life everlasting. All of us are anticipating that. And that's why this is such an important moment. That is why we center our entire Christian world around Christmas Day. The Christian calendar doesn't start with January 1. It starts with Advent. That's day one. This is one of those two high holy days. This and Easter where we celebrate the risen Christ when it all comes together and Jesus is vindicated. These are the two moments in our faith that we celebrate over and over again because we need to get into our minds that God became human so that we could have life and life everlasting. But the question is, is now that we know that, now that we believe that, now that we have Jesus in our life, now that we've opened that present with anticipation yet again this year, now what? Okay, now what? Jesus come into our lives. Jesus provided salvation. It was a free gift. There was nothing that we could do. Now what do we do with that gift? Because oftentimes gifts go on a shelf soon after they're open and are never played, for, played with again. And we need to make sure that day in and day out that we're living this life with Christ, that we are experiencing this gift over and over and living out the promise in our life. So our scripture this morning, uh, you know, I say this a lot, uh, probably almost every time I preach, but this is one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, and it's this incredible story where Jesus is brought to the temple soon after he is born. And so it's starting with verse 25. And this is what it says. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. Let's see about that for a second. Righteous and devout. Devout means that he followed all the rules to the best of his ability. But the fact that it says righteous, that means he did a pretty good job of not just following the rules, but living and having a heart for God. And so he probably lived out Micah 6, 8, uh, loving justice, living with mercy, and walking humbly with the Lord his God, doing that day in and day out. He was righteous and devout. Now, we know people who are pretty devout, but aren't very righteous, right? But he was righteous and devout devout. And so he was given this promise. Looking forward to the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see his death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And so guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him into his arms and praised God. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for the revelation of Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. And while the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him, then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Mary, this child is destined to be the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed 
so the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword that will pierce your own soul too. The word of God for the people of God. That was just an excuse to take a drink of water. Uh, (laughs) This is an amazing story. First of all, before we even really get introduced to the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is, we hear of a man before Jesus, and it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. Ah, That's a whole nother sermon for another day. I just thought that was a really cool thing. But he had been given a promise. Simeon had been given a promise that he would see the Messiah, this one that was coming to free Israel. Now, the Messiah was not for them what Jesus is for us now. The Messiah was going to be a coming king. In fact, Messiah literally means anointed one or king. And it was supposed to be someone who came in the line of David and would just simply free and lead the people of Israel and kind of put them on top. That's what they were expecting. And that's what Simeon was excited for because he had his whole life, he had seen the people of God oppressed by one people after another and another. And so he was anticipating this and he'd been given this promise and he believed it. He believed it. Even though he was an old man, he believed. He went to the temple every single day waiting for Jesus, waiting for the Messiah. And then one day that promise was fulfilled. Then something really amazing happens. And this is why I love the scripture so much. It says, uh, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people. But then the first thing that he mentions, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. So the moment that he holds Jesus, the moment that he meets the risen Christ, and this isn't, you know, sometimes, I don't know if you've seen uh, nativity scenes and baby Jesus looks like he's five years old with blonde hair and blue eyes, you know, it's all silly. And some people, there's that one song where it talks about Jesus, no crying does he make in the, in the manger. No, none of that. Jesus was fully human, right? And he came as a baby. Jesus was literally doing nothing. But holding baby Jesus, Simeon has a revelation because the Holy Spirit was on him that Jesus was not just coming to save the Jewish people, but that Jesus was coming to save all people and change the game, change everything. This was the ultimate gift to be unwrapped on Christmas Day. It was ultimate gift. And even in his old age, he had an open mind to what God was doing in his life and the world around him and to realize that it was so much bigger than his dream and that God had such an amazing plan. And I think that's what we have to realize when we think about, okay, now what? We've been given this incredible gift, right? Jesus has come to the world. We're celebrating that one more time, that Jesus has come into the world. Now what do we do with this incredible gift? There's more to this story about the pooping flamingo. And that is, Amelia, be honest, how many times have you played with the pooping flamingo? I I don't think, well, maybe, maybe. But I remember twice, like two times. So this gift that she begged for all this time doesn't hardly get played with. And I think that is the reality, that is the reality of Jesus in our life. We beg for Jesus. We beg for salvation. And that is an incredible gift, saying yes to God, the free gift of God's grace. But then what do we do with it? What's next? What's now? We've opened the gift. We've welcomed Jesus into our life. We have that gift of salvation. What do we do now with it? And I think that our call is to reflect the image of God back into the world. Salvation is amazing. It's an amazing gift that God gives us that we get to spend an eternity with God. But that's not even the end of the picture. We talk about going to heaven as if that's the end of, the, of it all. That's just a temporary thing. The end of it all 
is where God is gonna resurrect the earth and resurrect us, and we're gonna have this ultimate reality where we get to live and God is going to reign. There's a fancy word called eschatology, and it just means the end times, right? One of the amazing things about Christianity is that we are called to live into that future now. We know it's not a reality. We can take a look at all the things that are going on in our lives, in the world, and see the sin, and even the mistakes we make as followers of Christ. But we are called to live now as if that reality is a present reality. It is a once and future reality. It's inaugurated, but it's something that will not be fulfilled until Jesus returns. But I believe that we are called as Christians day in and day out to reflect God's image back into the world. The loving God and loving neighbor, that is what we are called to do. That is what it is all about. And I have another scripture for us from Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 10. This is what it says. Now that you have clothed yourselves with with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. As God's holy chosen ones and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which bonds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. So what are we supposed to do now that we've unwrapped this gift, now we've opened this gift? We know we have salvation. We know we have life with Christ. We know that there's a future day that we look forward to. What is that we're supposed to do with that gift each and every day? We need to live it. We need to love God, my favorite theologian, N.T. Wright, says that we are angled mirrors. We are angled mirrors. And that the light of God comes and it reflects off of us and into the world. And this scripture lays it out pretty clearly, right? The scripture that we are image bearers, that, that idea that we are bearing the image of God, that was cracked with sin. That was our original call to be image bearers of God in the world. We are made in the image of God, but it was cracked because of our sin. And then Jesus comes into our life and heals that crack, and now we're (coughs) able to fully live that light into the world. And it says to do it, to clothe ourselves with passion, compassion, kindness, humility, and meekness, and patience. Each and every day, live with a little bit more of that in your life a little bit more compassion, to understand what's going on. Try to have empathy for another person. Kindness. I was at the, I had to get my monster before I preach because that's how I always drink a monster before I preach. It's probably why I'm the over-caffeinated squirrel. Some people have coffee, I have monsters. What is it? But I was second in line and there was someone in front of me and they were just thanking the person at the, the gas station for working on Christmas Day. Just a moment of kindness. But what kind of impact does that make in her life? To know that someone's like appreciating this sacrifice. And she, and she mentioned that she volunteered to be there that day to work. Kindness doesn't really cost us anything, but it is so powerful in the world. Humility, meekness, and patience. I don't know about y'all, but I could definitely use a little bit more of those three in my life. And then we need to forgive one another. We're gonna make mistakes. What does it mean to be an image bearer of God in the world? It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Certainly not. 
But when we make those mistakes, we own up to them, and we seek forgiveness, and we try to forgive those who hurt us, even though it's a long process. And it says, above all, above all, upon the love of God. And we know, as Jim talked about last week, that love is not just simply something we say to one another. It's not just affection. It's the actions that we live out. Agape love is about the actions. You know when someone loves you by how they treat you. I think as I'm getting a little bit older now, and uh, all, all of my friendships in my life, you know who the real friends are. The real friends are the ones who take the effort to call you, to send you a text message, to spend time with you. And that's what it needs to be with our relationship with God. God wants a real and true friendship with you and wants you to be the kind of person that initiates it. It's not something you have to do. There's nothing, again, there's nothing that saves us except for Jesus. None of this is quote unquote required, although God wants it all. But God wants you to have a real relationship. And so as we think about this concept of being these angled mirrors, reflecting the image of God back into the world, just a few things for us that maybe we can apply to our life right now. And the first is that, is being in relationship with God in a way where spending time with God isn't a have to, but a get to. What if we changed our mindset? What if we changed the way we do things that it's not just about, <clears throat> oh, I, I need to do this, I have to do this, but I get to spend time with the one who sent his son in the world so that I might have life eternal and abundant. Might that change your experience? Might that change your day? Maybe you can live out those very difficult things of compassion and kindness and humility and patience and meekness if you're spending time. Because when we worship God, that is how we become like God. We become what we worship in this world. We become what we worship in this world. And so the more time we spend with God, the more we're our mirror, we rub off the, the, the grudge and the gunk of sin, and the more clearly we shine back the light of God into the world, which is love. So that's one. You get to spend time with God. You don't have to. The same thing is maybe we could live a little more generously. And I'm not really talking about money, although money can be a gift from God. But each and every one of you have a unique gift, a unique skill set, something that God has given you. Maybe there's skills that you've honed over your lifetime. Maybe it's a gift that you have that was just given to you and you don't know where it came from, although you've probably worked on that as well. And then you probably have things that touch your heart, right? Problems in the world that you see like, man, that really hurts me. When I see on the news that there are people who are starving in the world, that really hurts me. Or when I see this injustice, that really hurts me. Or when I know that there are people who don't know the love of Christ, that really gets me. So you have your need of the world and you have your gift and you have your passions, the things that you love. And you bring all those together and that is where God is calling you to be generous, that is where God is calling you to go above and beyond, to step out in faith and to live it out in a day-to-day day -day basis. We can't all solve all the world's problems. You can't even solve one of the world's problems. But you can choose something. You can choose to be generous in one area and make a difference in one area and then see how God blesses that over and over and over again. Where is God calling you to be generous with your life? And the third thing is like each day, write down one way that you're gonna have Jesus be Lord of your life. Now we're really good with the whole savior part, Jesus being our savior and going to heaven and all that. Oh, we're good with that. But we start talking about Jesus as Lord, we're like, whoa, whoa, we don't have lords in America, we have presidents. And I don't have to listen to them if I didn't vote for them. That's a joke. 
What does it mean for Jesus to be Lord of your life? It means you do what Jesus tells you to do. And so what if each day when we woke up, we took a minute and we said, Jesus, I want you to tell me one thing that I'm called to do today. One area I'm supposed to work on, one act of love I'm supposed to do, and just open ourselves to Jesus working in our life. Because just like Simeon, who had the Holy Spirit upon him and had this gift, this, this, this message, God will speak to you. God will show things to you in your life. And God will point you in, in areas so that you won't even know what they are half the time. And then you'll just end up in a situation and you're like, oh, that's what God wanted me to do today. And so I think, I believe big changes come with small actions. Small repeated actions over and over again change who we are. And so what if we just did one small action each and every day that changed the course of our life? What if we were open like Simeon to God changing the direction of our life? Because Simeon waited his whole life for the Messiah. And when he held it, he said, this baby is a light, a revelation for the Gentiles. No Jew would ever say that. No Jew would really care that much about Gentiles. But this is the very first thing he says. And for the glory of Israel. What if we, this Christmas, we open that present of Jesus, said, God, I don't know how you're going to move in my life, but I know you're going to move in my life. I know you're going to show up and I'm going to respond. And I'm going to love this world the way that you love this world. And I'm going to love people the way you love people. And so may you receive the gift of Jesus Christ and may you allow it to transform your life. May you be an angled mirror reflecting your love of God into the world as you love your neighbor. May you live with compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness and patience. May you forgive one another and put on peace. And may you not only experience salvation as a future gift, but live it today working with Christ to bring God's kingdom to every person you meet. And may you grow closer to Christ daily, learn to give generously and live each day as Jesus is Lord of your life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.